Just look at that audience, Scott. Uh, Nate, I've got to tell you, man, I am super stoked to be here in the Bluegrass State. Me too, Scott. I could not be any more excited to be here in beautiful Lexington, Kentucky, at the first annual Emergency Medicine Residency Symposium. Yeah, you bet. So he is Nate Lewis, Clerkship Director and APD at Virginia Commonwealth University in beautiful Richmond, Virginia. And to my left, of course, the notorious Scott Weeders, who is now a recovering clerkship director is that right yeah yeah now the campus dean yeah that sounds important i don't know what that means but that sounds important more important than me more (laughs) over at texas a&m yeah and nate i hear that you're a first-time father now that's been a new update since we've hung out yes that is how's it feel like being a dad thank you it's it's exhausting uh it's exhausting i um am now a master at blowouts another (laughs) skill that i didn't realize i was (laughs) ever going to achieve um, and maybe, who knows, 20-something years from now, maybe even he will listen to this podcast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got four kids, and so yeah, you're, you're, you're catching up, man. My, my Strava workout name is, my username is DadBod, so <laughs> I, I rock that. And, and now that you're a dad, you got to, you know, kind of get up on your, your dad jokes. So, Nate, what do you, what do you call a, a camel three humps? Uh, I, I don't know. Pregnant. Uh, now, now, Scott, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I, if there's one thing I've learned, you you can't even if the baby is coming out, you you cannot ask if somebody's pregnant. That's just not a good thing to. Where did the wise where bring the us? Okay. Um, anyway, so it's it's great to be here. Uh, so glad that uh, you all invited us to come talk. And a big thanks to Samir Desai, Jonathan Bronner, Kayla, and Sarah, and everybody else who uh, helped put this uh, together. Yeah, my wife and I got in late yesterday, and we had some awesome Uber drivers, uh, Sarah and Kayla. We appreciate that. They picked us up, and they took us to the Rod Rogers estate. Have you guys been there? Yeah. I mean, his basement rivals many five-star hotels. It's, it's a glorious space. And, I mean, they, they just are masters at hospitality with the turned-down night service with the sheets. Uh, you know, the, the foot rub to get me to go to sleep was a little awkward at first, but... <laughs> You know, after the peppermint foot lotion and Rob stopped singing, it became appropriate. Um, so. Yeah, let, let's let's move on, Scott. Yeah, um, okay. You know what else is really exciting about today, uh, specifically? You and I have been doing this podcast now for several years, but this is the first time that we are recording uh, an episode of this podcast, the Imstead Podcast, live in front of an audience of, I don't know, about 10,000 students? <laughs> yeah, it's a big crowd. I'm a little nervous. Uh, first time. Yeah, and it's one of the first times we've been recording in person together. Usually we do this uh, in, in our offices and things like that. But by the way, Nate, you're terrible at guesstimating audience size. Uh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, we usually work in our own separate uh, recording studios. And You mean like closet or office? I, I know we don't really have any uh, fancy production studio and no executive producer. Although my wife did bring me cookies once, and so okay. she says that makes her an executive producer. Hey, did you know actually they have apple pie flavored Oreos now? <laughs> Uh, I'll have to check that out. Okay. I'll drink to that. Drink to that. Winning Kentucky. Woo! <coughs> I thought you said we are going to put apple juice in this. Ah, uh, Kentucky's finest. Wow. 
Um, so, hey, Scott, what are we actually going to talk about today? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, topic at hand. Since this is our special episode, uh, we thought we'd spend some time talking about how to be a great medical student. Ooh, uh, that's a good one. And you know, that actually has something to do with uh, the name of our podcast, EM Stud. Hmm. What is an EM Stud, Nate? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> an EM Stud is a student whose knowledge, compassion, and work ethic is above and beyond the rest. Oh, wait. Nate, I think I've heard this before. An EM Stud is a student who will one day become a great emergency physician. Um, Nate, you're just saying what's written on our website. So seriously, the EM Stud podcast is our way of sharing our thoughts, opinions, and commentary uh, with the rest of you guys. Uh, we also speak with clerkship directors in emergency medicine, and we've been really fortunate. We've, we've had Mike Van Meter, Jeff Riddell, uh, Adam Kellogg, Derek Cass, Jim Dolly. Uh, my favorite, Haney Malamet, Salim Razai, Rob Rogers, and the ever-so-cool Michelle Lynn. Uh, and so many others. Uh, don't forget our UK buddies. So Samir Desai, John Bronner, uh, Will Sanderson, and Bob Bodgers. Of course. How could I forget? Yeah. Um, so what I think we're trying to say here is that we've uh, been really lucky to be able to provide a podcast geared towards helping medical students find their way through the uh, admittedly confusing process of applying to emergency medicine. No, Nate, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it's really a pleasure for us to do this for the students. Uh, we're able to reach and then provide just a little bit of clarity, and that's what kind of makes it all fun and makes it worthwhile. So helping students achieve their goals. So I'll drink to that. Yeah. Um, so, Scott, you know, we've actually asked a bunch of people over the years to share their stories about how they got into emergency medicine. But, you know, I, I don't think we ever shared our own stories. Huh. So do you, you want to tell us yeah. yours? Yeah, I mean— Who's a, who's a young student that's not sure they want to do emergency medicine? Maybe a M1, M2, a couple of those. So, yeah, I mean, my story goes back to San Antonio, Texas, circa 1999, yeah, last century. So I, I'm there in my short white coat, my third year of medical school, and I'm in my surgery rotation. And I'm in surgery just kind of walking around, repeating white blood cell counts, doing rectal exams. And we're in the emergency department, and I hear this, this commotion go off on the side. And I, I go and I, I look around the curtain. We had curtains back then, and there was a, a really sick patient that came in. There was about 20 people that descended upon this guy, and there was one guy at the head of the bed. I'll never forget his face because he had a face mask on, he had a buffon, and he gave me the, the two fingers to kind of, come here. So I waddle over in my short white coat, and he says, hey, this, this guy needs to be intubated. You're a medical student, huh? I said, yeah. He says, you ever intubate anybody? No. So kind of like when your dad lifted you up to dunk the basketball. This guy took my hand and grabbed a laryngoscope. He used my fingers like chopsticks and grabbed a you know, tube. He lifted up. He said, you see that? I said, yes, sir. He says, those are the cords. Put the tube here. And like took my hand and innovated the guy using my hands. Literally innovated the guy using my hands. And I was, I was pretty stoked. So I don't remember the rest of the day, but that was amazing. And this guy walked off. I never saw his face. He never took his mask off. He went to save somebody's life. Um, so you never know who you're going to mentor and, and who your mentors might be. But that's my quick story. Uh, how about you, Nate? Do you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, yeah. Does, does anybody here watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Any fans? Uh, like three people, really? <laughs> um, well, anyway, so it's, it's a great show. you got to check it out. But, um, so there's this, um, uh, there's this actress. Her name is Ming-Na Wen. She's, uh, she plays a complete... Uh, and total badass as Agent Melinda May. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, actually, she actually played one of my favorite characters back in the 1990s on the TV show ER, Dr. Deb Chen. 
And I, I just, I watched her and I literally just wanted to be her when I grew up. She was just so cool and smart okay, okay, Nate. and funny and she always, she always knew what to do. And she always, Nate, Nate. she always looks so good doing it. Nate, come on, we're doing a podcast. And you know, another story from way back when, when I was in high school, I had a chance to shadow this emergency physician at a local ER. And I don't remember uh, what it was that came in, maybe an MVC or something, but some guy came in and he needed a chest tube. And you know, there are no residents here, it's just the attending physician. And he, and he said to me, hey, can you, can you hold my stethoscope while I put this chest tube in this guy? And so I did, and here I was, just this little high school student holding this real-life stethoscope, and I was so freaked out. I, had, I didn't know what was more exciting, holding the stethoscope or uh, <laughs> watching this chest tube going. And, of course, I had no idea what was going on, but it was, um, it was quite an experience. Um, but, yeah, so I, I've had some really great mentors all throughout high school and college and medical school, some of, uh, some of whom have been emergency physicians who have just shared so much of their time and energy um, to help me discover what EM was all about. I, I truly would not be here if it weren't for them. No, none of us would. Um, I, I saw something that was posted on Twitter the other day. A, a mentor speaks with you, a coach speaks to you, and a sponsor speaks about you. And you kind of have to have people uh, around you that are helping you out in all of those ways. Um, and we've all got so many great stories of that. And I hope you guys find some mentors. I mean, I think back like five years ago, Rob, I don't know if you remember this, but we were in Arizona and you sat me down and you were like, man, You've got some skills. You need to improve on this. You need to get out on Twitter and social media, and you need to get going on podcasting. And yeah, really pushed me outside of my comfort zone and really advocated for me. So it's crazy how that kind of stuff happens. I mean, my chair supported me and advocated for me to come here, um, and we pass it on. I mean, you've done countless of things for students, you know, of giving them opportunities to get on research projects and go it's to conferences. It's so, really a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So, Scott. Let's, let's talk now. Back when you were an EM stud back in the day, once upon a time. Yeah, keep going, Nate. In yeah. the olden days of your... What, what was it like? What, what made for a truly great medical student, and what do you think might be different now? Back when I was a medical student... I, you want me to grab your soapbox? Please. Uh, it, it snowed once, but it seemed like every day. I was in San Antonio, um, and we didn't really have work duty restrictions. Um, there was this, this big hill... It was, it was a large hill, uh, a mountainous kind of a hill that I walked to to get up to the... Is there, there aren't any mountains there. Ah, it I was thought. San Antonio. Okay, fine. But back then, you showed up early. You could nail and sniper multiple choice test questions. Um, you got pimped during rounds, and you just took the flack, and you didn't cry. Uh, you stayed late. You retracted and rounded. You, you got food, water, drinks. I mean, you're kind of like the water boy of the team. And if you didn't complain... Well, you got honors. So, what was it like for you, Nate? Uh, yeah, I, I also retracted a lot. Um, I remember it was tough. You, you had to be a part of the team to excel, and in, in order to really be accepted as a part of the team, um, you, had to, you had to be on your game. And sometimes it meant that you uh, were the go-to guy for information or the go-to guy for supplies. Sometimes it meant that you were the, you're the one who always had the right uh, answer to the questions on rounds. But... I think more than anything else, you really had to be present. You had to be there. You had to um, take it upon yourself to, to learn as much as you could about everything that you could. Um, and somehow also figure out how to carry like five textbooks in your white coat pocket along with, uh, what else did I have? I had a tuning fork, a pen light, a set of calipers, a reflex hammer, and enough pens to stock an office max. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the smartphones have replaced a lot of that stuff. And so the, the EM studs of today are much different than we were EM studs. I mean, they don't memorize now. Uh, they navigate the internet, like Steph Curry in a full court press. Uh, I mean, they can quickly answer questions, uh, but if they can't, they know how to filter out all of the data on the internet and they can apply that to a clinical case. Uh, and the quality, well, it ends up being pretty darn good. Uh, kind of like this bourbon. So, cheers. Cheers. <coughs> wow. Uh, well, the students of today, the EM studs of today, they don't just have a high IQ. They've got a high EI. I'm sorry, EI? Emotional intelligence, Nate. Scott, I don't think this is the right place for you to talk about your feelings. Maybe we could do that some other time. Yeah, we'll set it up. But emotional intelligence is really the capacity uh, to have awareness of your own emotions and be in control. You also understand the emotions of other people and you handle those interpersonal relationships in an empathetic and professional manner. Oh yeah, of course, uh, that emotional intelligence. But uh, since, hey, you know, the audience doesn't really know what you're talking about, how about some examples? Yeah, so who watches The Office? Yeah, one of the best shows ever. Michael Scott, low emotional intelligence, right? <laughs> this guy doesn't get it. He's the heel of his own jokes. He sticks his foot in his mouth. He doesn't know that he's offending people and he has trouble controlling his own emotions. So this guy is clearly that guy with low emotional intelligence. All right, Jason Bourne, awesome series. Yeah, Bourne's like the man with the high emotional intelligence. Dude reads the room, he looks at the villain, he knows this is safe, it's dangerous, he can play his emotions well and not show his cards. So really a high emotional intelligence that can navigate complex situations. So. Low emotional intelligence, Michael Scott. Hi, Jason Bourne. You want to be like the Bourne. That needs to be your identity. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so definitely like sizing up the scene and yeah, uh, reading yeah. the room. That's kind of a start, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, so how does that look in an EM stud? Yeah, so I think it clinically, you're able to read the emotions of your patients, okay? You, you know what suffering looks like. You know what fear looks like. You know what concern looks like. And confusion, if you've just explained a medical course to a patient, you can read that. You don't have to ask them. You read it. You can also read the emotions of your team members. You know when it's appropriate to speak up in a group setting with your team. You know when it's good to just remain quiet. You can tell if your chief resident's having a bad day and you shouldn't ask a whole lot of that person. You should just kind of lay low. Um, so these are the people that will probably do better. And you know, there's been some interesting data recently. I mean, we're, we're kind of coming out of the millennium stage and we're getting into the, the iGen or the Gen Z like, like our kids. And these are the generations that grew up with electronics, with smartphones from day one. That was just what they knew. And it's very interesting because there's some data coming out. And one of the things that was interesting in an article I just read, have smartphones destroyed a generation? Compelling article. One of the things was this, this psychologist was saying that the next generation will probably be able to choose out the right emoji, but not be able to communicate the right facial expression. And that's an interesting thing that we need to be aware of. Ah, uh, yes, yes, the iPhone generation. Um, you know, I, I'm actually kind of glad I, I grew up without uh, social media, but it's, it's definitely a thing now. I mean, even you have a Twitter account. Um, you're right. So feel free to follow us at emedcoach and erdrn8. Great, thanks. I liked how you worked in that plug there. It wasn't awkward at all. Um, so emotional intelligence. Say, Scott, buddy, would you say that I have uh, a lot of emotional intelligence? We should probably move on to the characteristics of students that are competitive for emergency medicine. All right, all right whatever. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so a competitive, matchable student for emergency medicine, I think it's fair to say that um, a student who, any student really, who works hard, who uh, works well with others, is committed to his or her patients, who's uh, willing to learn, uh, that's the sort of student that EM residency programs are looking for. Yeah, I agree. Um, are you talking about something like grit? The stuff in the bottom of my coffee cup? Now, so Angela Duckworth, uh, amazing researcher and author, wrote a book called Grit. And she defines grit as passion and sustained persistence applied to a long-term achievement. And her thesis is that talent's probably overrated. Uh, because if you have talent and you don't put in your work, you're not going to get anywhere. I think we all know some very talented people that did not apply themselves. They got passed up. That is some neat stuff. I, I have heard of her. Fascinating stuff. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, so her thesis is that hard work trumps talent. And she's developed a grit scale, which I didn't perform well at, by the way. Uh, but she thought that it was good to apply these. She's looked at a lot of different data with, with Navy recruits and found out who's going to make it to be a SEAL or maybe who's going to actually finish West Point. Um, even kids, who's going to win at a spelling bee? And, you know, maybe we could apply this to who's going to be a great EM stud. But. You know, um, I, it, that is interesting. I'd love to be able to predict uh, who, you know, would turn out to be the best EM studs. But, you know, for our audience, probably more useful to give some guidance on how to actually become one. So how does one develop grit? Yeah, so Duckworth talks about a couple of different things. My take home from that book was that uh, one of them is develop small goals. So you have to have a big goal. You want to finish med school. But to get there, you got to have small goals. So an example might be, Let's do micro skills for procedures. And you work with that procedure, you get the micro skills down, you practice it. And not just practicing, like Gladwell says, but in Outliers, but more like Anders Ericsson says in his work with deliberate practice. You have to get feedback. So that's why we listen to our podcast. That's why we record our lectures. That's why we film ourselves and watch ourselves. And it's painful, but that's important. So I think the EM stud that wants to get good at something, let's say procedures, you're gonna do that procedure. You get a smartphone, record yourself, watch it. Find out what you did well, find out what you did bad. Ask a fellow student to watch it. Ask a mentor to take a look at it. Ask your coach to coach you through that procedure. And then don't just do it till you get it right. Do it till you can't get it wrong. I can't tell you the number of students who have impressed us over the years, um, not because they were accomplished and not because they had the highest exam scores, but because of the way that when, when they got something wrong, they were, they, they didn't get angry, they didn't give up. They were able to take that and work even harder uh, to make themselves better. Yeah, I've been impressed. We've had some great students uh, that have, have demonstrated great character virtues. And, and one of the things that's resonated with me, I was watching this uh, TED talk and read a book called Extreme Ownership by uh, Jacob Wilnick. And it's a pretty compelling argument. So this guy was a Navy SEAL and lost some troops in one of the uh, conflicts in the Middle East. And, uh, Instead of blaming his troops or identifying that somebody screwed it up, this guy took extreme ownership of the situation. Um, and we've seen that happen in, in, in EM studs, you know. Uh, EM studs are going to make mistakes. You will make a mistake. It's going to happen. But you don't make excuses. You don't blame that on the nurse for not taking in the right vital signs. You don't blame it on the system or that the SIM case wasn't real enough. You take ownership of that. Uh, you learn from those mistakes. And that's got to be a culture that we have. I mean. In the clerkship that I ran, I, the sim cases that we had, every one of them was a monument to one of my mistakes. Each of those were cases that I screwed up. And as long as we've got that mindset, 
and have extreme ownership of our mistakes, you're going to be a good EM stud. And, you know, I'd add to that. I, I think it really starts with having a real passion for what you're doing. And so all of you in this room right now, I, I want you to remember how energized, how, how enthusiastic you feel right now about your career. Uh, and remember that. And take that with you when you go to see patients. And, you know, because when, when you come to work early or stay late uh, to help out the team, if you remember that, you won't be doing that because you have to. It'll be because you want to. You're there to help, you're there to learn, but you're really there for a purpose, and the purpose being to, to become the best physician for your patients that you can be. Stay tuned for part two of this episode coming out soon.